Well, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, Marianne did a great job of highlighting this new initiative that we have. We're super excited to be able to formally launch this thing called Foster West Virginia. We've been praying about this and dreaming about it and putting some plans together for the last year. Um, scripture tells us pretty clearly God's heart for this in James chapter 1. It says, religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. So what we see in here and throughout Scripture is God's heart beats for the most vulnerable. And so what we want to do is we want to be a part of serving the more than 7,000 kids and the families that are trying to love on these kids wherever they are in the state. Um, we want to be a part of bringing the hope and the love of Christ to these people that are trying to serve and to love the most vulnerable in our community. Um, most of you probably will not necessarily feel the call to become a foster parent yourself, but everyone can do something. And so what we're trying to do is to provide as many opportunities as possible for you to be able to join us and partner and be able to serve these families. Last week, we, we gave some really concrete ways in which that you can begin to pray for the family, specifically us as a church, for the kids that are involved in it. Today, we're asking that you get involved with us financially, either through getting online at the Amazon wish list and finding some of these things that we can begin to support these families and re remove some of the financial burden that they incur, incur when they bring these kids in. Uh, Monica and uh, the, the Foster West Virginia team will be out in the lobby afterwards. If you want to hear a little bit more about our heartbeat for this and the vision that we have for it, they would love to answer any questions that you might have. But, but I love this idea that everyone can do something. And so now it's on our part, I mean, individually, to figure out what is that something? How is it that you can be a part of being able to, to support these families and these kids in need? Let me pray for us as we get started. God, thank you. Uh, thank you that you are a God who has already met with us through our worship, through communion. And now, God, as you meet with us through your word, through this time where we open up our minds, open up our hearts to hear from you. God, we confess that we need to hear from you. We want to leave here changed as a result of encountering you in your word this morning. So remove the distractions of life for just this next little bit. Uh, Spirit, do your work in individual hearts to draw us closer to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in week three of this series called Set Free. But we're looking at the offer of Jesus to lead us to a place of truth and freedom so that we can experience life and life to the full, life the way that God designed it, life that's full of richness and satisfaction and peace in our relationship with God and in our relationship with others. Uh, the fact is that relationships are part of God's plan to, to shape our character to bring joy into our lives, to, to draw us into a closer relationship with him. The only problem with God's perfect plan is that it involves imperfect people. Are, are you with me that relationship, relationship would be a whole lot easier if it didn't involve people? I could get along with anybody if nobody was on the other end of it. But the problem is, is when you have fallen, broken people that are trying to enter into a relationship, it's inevitable that you're gonna have frustration and disappointment, and hurt, and anger, and conflict. Uh, as a pastor, I have more conversations around conflict and relationships than anything else, because it hurt happens in every relationship. It happens in our marriages, it happens in our friendships, it happens in ministry settings, it happens in work settings. If we are older than four years old, we've all experienced the fallout, and the failure, and the hurt that are caused by relationships. So, so what do you do 
when that hurt comes into your life? Well, Scripture says there's really only two um, options that you have. You can either choose bitterness or you can choose forgiveness. And oftentimes our, our gut reaction initially is when, when we're faced with someone who has hurt us to, is that we get really defensive. And we say that they don't deserve forgiveness. They're not even sorry for what they've done. Why should I be the bigger person and forgive them when they are the one who's wrong, when they are the one who hurt me? And we justify why we won't forgive them. And we end up choosing this bitterness path. And we have these daydreams where we imagine some kind of payback that, that goes into their court to pay them back for what they did to us. They, they, they lose their job on their birthday. Or there's this mysterious IRS audit that, that, that catches them off guard. Or, or they get called out to jury duty right before family vacation. Or, or maybe you, you imagine your ex, the, the boyfriend or the girlfriend that, that dumped you years ago, and, and now you picture them, and they're overweight, and they have a skin condition, and they're living this lonely life with this mangy old dog. Yeah, I, mean, we, we all, I mean, I'm not the only one that does this, right? You guys have... Or, or, or maybe for you, what, the way that you hang on to it is, is that you just spend your time telling your side of the story to other people, hoping that you can recruit them over to see things from your side. We all have, we all have these ways of holding on to our bitterness and holding on to our resentment. And I think part of the reason why we do this is because we really like the way that vengeance feels. That there's something intoxicating about Resentment and being able to, to, to exact our revenge on someone at some point in the future. And, and we feel like if I forgive them, then I won't be able to hang this over their head any longer. But left unchecked, left unchecked bitterness, it, it just festers and, and it grows. And hatred and bitterness is never good for the human heart. It, it shrinks our capacity to love people. It, it hinders our ability to mature it holds us back from being shaped more and more into the image of Jesus. I, I heard someone say one time that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. And some of you are here this morning and your heart and your soul have grown toxic because you have refused to let go of bitterness and now you are the one that's being controlled by your bitterness and by your anger. To hold on to past hurt to hold on to, to unforgiveness and resentment is it, to push the self-destruct button on your own life. There's a high cost to unforgiveness. It, it, it affects our health. It, it, if you hang on to that kind of anger for very long, you, you lose your ability to sleep at night. You, your stomach just stays tied up and not. You, if, you, if you try to suppress this thing and push it down, it can lead to depression in your life. It affects our relationships. We, we like to think that we can focus and direct our anger at one person, but it just doesn't work that way. It, it ends up spilling over into the relationships that matter the most to us. It spills over into our marriages, into our relationships with our kids, into our friendships, and all these will be affected by this anger that we're just holding on, holding on to inside. You cannot grow, and you cannot flourish, and you cannot experience life and life to the full if you're resentful if you are unforgiving. So God in his love for you and for me wants to set us free from that. He wants to lead us toward healing broken relationships through forgiveness. So what comes to mind when you hear the word forgiveness? Or more pointedly, who comes to mind when you hear the word forgiveness? Is it someone who betrayed you? 
Is it someone who, who spread lies about you? Is it someone who took advantage of you in some way? Maybe it's an old best friend. Maybe it's an estranged family member. Maybe it's a parent who abandoned you in, in childhood. Maybe it's an ex-spouse that, that hurt you in unimaginable ways. Or maybe for you, it's someone that hurt someone that you love. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to let go of. Conflict, hurt, pain. They, they, they are a part of living in this fallen world with other fallen people. And God in his great love for us has given us some insight and how it is that we can properly work our way through conflict, work our way through brokenness so that we can finally be set free from resentment and from anger and from bitterness that may be holding us back for years. Now, as we get started, I know that some of you are here this morning and it's a fresh hurt or it's a, it's a deep hurt. And, and for you, when you hear the word forgiving someone, it, it's pretty disorienting. The mere mention of forgiving someone, it's hard to comprehend. And so before we dive into what the Bible teaches on forgiveness, I, I want to address some of the common misconceptions that people have about forgiveness that oftentimes prevents them or holds them back from, from actually forgiving someone. The first is this, that forgiveness does not mean endorsing their behavior. Sometimes people resist forgiving someone because they, they think that if they do, that the other person wins. But when you forgive, you're not condoning their behavior. You're not tolerating their behavior. You're not saying what they did was right. You're not excusing what they did. You're not minimizing the hurt that they've caused in your life. The mere fact that you have to forgive someone implies that they did something wrong. Forgiveness does not mean that you accept their behavior or that you're brushing it under the rug. The second thing is that forgiveness does not mean trusting again. This one here, I think, can be a huge hang-up for some people. Sometimes people think that, that if they forgive someone, then they have to immediately re-enter into the relationship. But you would say, I, I'm not ready to do that. I, I can't trust them again. I, I can't trust that they won't hurt me again. Forgiveness does not mean that you are a doormat for Jesus. Um, for, for your heart to heal, you need to forgive but you don't need to immediately uh, trust someone again. Forgiveness means that all you're going to do is you're going to give them a chance to prove that they are, in fact, trustworthy. But it's their responsibility. It's their responsibility to earn that trust back. And, and while they're doing that, while they're trying to earn their trust back, it's often fair and it's often wise to, to, to set some, some healthy boundaries Forgiveness and trust are two different things, and I think for us to understand the distinctions between the two may allow you to take some of these steps into this process of forgiving someone. Forgiveness is never easy, but it is absolutely essential in our lives if we're going to be set free to experience this full, abundant, flourishing life that God wants us to experience, which is why Jesus talks so often about forgiveness and why he talks so often about what relationships can look like. And today we're going to look at one of those teachings from Jesus found in Matthew chapter 18. If you want to turn there in your Bibles or on your phones, we're going to work our way through uh, this passage together. One day Jesus was, was talking to, to a group of people. And he was describing what a person should do if they have been offended by someone else. And after Jesus gives his teaching, um, evidently Peter had someone who had kept hurting him over and over again. And so he, he goes to Jesus right afterwards, and this is what Peter says to him. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up, up to seven times? 
And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or, uh, Peter's question is, like, how many times should I forgive someone who continues to hurt me? That, that seems like a fair question to ask, doesn't it? In other words, Peter's saying, where do I get to draw the line? When can I say enough is enough? When can I stop bending in their direction and say, no, you have to come in my direction? After all, you're the one who hurt me. If we've been hurt by someone multiple times, we know where Peter's coming from. And so Peter throws out this generous number. He says, okay, Jesus, how about seven times? I mean, that's more than enough times for me to let them off the hook and for them to make a change, right? And Jesus says, no, I'll tell you what, how, how about try 77 times? And some of your translations actually say 70 times seven times. In other words, Jesus is saying, you never stop forgiving. You will always be forgiving someone. And Jesus understands how off-putting that would be to Peter. Peter undoubtedly would look, had this confused look on his face. Jesus understands his confusion. And he understands our confusion on this. So he tells this brilliant story to illustrate to us what forgiveness looks like in God's kingdom. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him and he said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything so there's this king who's going around and he's collecting the debts that others now owed him and he comes to one of his servants who owed him 10,000 talents one talent was worth 20 years wages so this guy owed some somewhere in the neighborhood about 10 billion dollars in our day and age Jesus point is to say that there is no way that this guy could ever repay the debt back in his lifetime so the king decides to, to cut his losses and he has the guy and his family sold into slavery to, to make some of his money back. But the, but the servant in this last-ditch effort, he throws himself at the king's mercy and says, hey, just give me a little bit of time, and I'll promise I'll pay this back. And this is the king's response. The servant's master took pity on him, he canceled the debt, and he let him go. And in this incredible act of mercy this incredible act of generosity the, the king key phrase here he, he canceled the debt he, he didn't say hey you need to work some of this off you need to pay pay back part of this to me he said no the debt is canceled you don't owe me anything and you are free to go so here's the servant's response but when that servant went out he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a few hundred silver coins and he grabbed him and he began to choke him and he said pay back what you owe me he demanded his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged be patient with me and I will pay it back but he refused instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could repay the debt so the same servant he goes out and he bumps into to one of his friends one of his fellow servants a guy who just owed him 100 silver coins, a few months' wages, something that would easily be able to get paid back. Nothing compared to the billions that he owed. But he began to demand payment immediately. He showed no mercy to his fellow servant. This other servant uses the exact same language. He says, be patient with me. Get, just give me some time and I will pay you back. But it says that the forgiven servant refused. That's 
two of the most sobering words in this entire story. He refused. He refused to forgive, and he had him thrown in prison. The story continues. It says, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. So this word, the word finally gets back to the king and he calls this servant back in. He says, okay, let, let me get this straight. I, I just forgave billions of dollars of debt and, and you couldn't extend forgiveness or mercy for a couple hundred bucks? What's wrong with you? You're done, and he sends him off to prison. And at some point, Peter realizes that this parable is in response to the question that he asked, and that he understood and he realized that God is the king in this story, which makes Peter the wicked servant who's having a hard time forgiving after being forgiven so much. And then Jesus concludes with a really hard verse to hear. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. End of story. And Peter wishes that he had never asked the question. <laughs> it's unimaginable to, to Jesus that his forgiven followers would have a hard time forgiving someone else. Because to refuse to forgive is to forget the mercy that was extended to me. And it communicates to other people that, that we weren't really changed by God's grace. Again, we're not saying what they did was right. We're not saying that we're going to immediately let them back into our lives and trust them again. And it doesn't mean that, that forgiveness will come easily or immediately. Oftentimes, forgiveness will look more like a journey. It'll look more like a process. But what this story, what this parable teaches is that we must, must forgive. In fact, the scary part is that this parable says that, that God will withhold his blessing, that he will actively root against us if we refuse to forgive. It, it's a very dangerous thing to let unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment linger in your life for very long. So how do we actually do it? How do we actually forgive people that have hurt us? I want to walk through some steps that that will allow us to, to be able to, to work through these steps together. That The first is that I need to remember my need for God's forgiveness. Forgiveness actually begins with a look in the mirror and a reminder of God's forgiveness and mercy and grace that was directed towards me. Jesus, in this story, he goes overboard with the numbers so that we can understand this, that, that we've been forgiven an eternal debt, a debt that we could never repay. And it's in the shadow of the cross that we are commanded to forgive others. Because it's there that I'm reminded that I've been forgiven more, way more. 10,000 talents more than I will ever be asked to forgive someone else. So in this first step, it, I'm not trying to prove that I'm right. I'm not even focusing on what the other person did to me. The first thing that we're going to do is we're going to look to our Savior and we're going to remember the grace that was, that was shown to me. So I sit down and I think of all the things that I've had to go before God in the past and ask for forgiveness for. The mean, spiteful, hurtful, 
twisted things that I've said and that I've done, the, the thoughts that I've entertained, the, the temptations that I've given into. And, and while I'm not minimizing or excusing what, what the other person did, I begin to realize that I'm not so different from them, that, that they're not so different than me, that, that we are both on the other side of needing God's mercy and God's grace in our lives. And so I spend some time confessing to God any current sins in my life, beginning with my refusal to forgive. And I allow his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace to begin to heal my heart. And this act of confession and receiving God's forgiveness in fresh ways, it'll soften our hearts to be able to do this next step. That I pray for my enemy. Oftentimes when we've been hurt, we, we dehumanize the other person. We saw that in the parable. When, when the wicked servant saw the other servant, all that he saw was the offense. All that he saw in that other person was the debt that he owed him. And the same thing happens in our lives when we're hurt. We, we get hyper-focused, and all we see in the other person is the betrayal, the backstabbing, the abandonment, the, the thing that they did to us. But when we do this step, when I pray for my enemy, I'm taking them into the presence of God and I'm asking God to bless them like he's blessed me. And I'm asking God to pour into their lives the way that he has poured into mine. And here's what you'll find. You'll begin to see them in a different light. And that through praying for them that you can almost do this spiritual surgery where you can separate the person from the wrong that they did. And you can begin to see a person made in the image of God. And you can be reminded that God loves your enemy as much as he loves you. Let, let that truth sink in, that, that God loves your enemy as much as he loves you. And maybe you can begin to extend some grace and some, and, and some compassion their way. And, and maybe you can begin to see that, that maybe their actions towards you came from a past hurt in their lives some abandonment in, in their childhood or some tragedy in their lives, something that they got some things twisted in their lives and they acted on that. You can begin to pray that, that God's grace would, would heal what's broken in them. And once I catch a glimpse of the other person and I, and I can begin to see them the way that God sees them, then I can do this next step, that I can name the specific debt. When someone hurts you, they, there's always a sense that they have taken something from you that they owe you something. We even have the language that we, that we say that they owe us an apology. This debt relationship is often what, what allows us to hang on to the bitterness and what drives our bitterness because we feel like they owe us something. And what this step does is to get really specific, to get in the weeds, to get granular on what it is that they've taken from you. And a lot of times people don't wanna do this step. They just wanna gloss it over and just move on. But here's the thing, choosing not to take revenge is not the same thing as forgiveness. Choosing to, to not talk about again is not the same thing as forgiveness. This is hard work because what it forces us to do is to feel the pain again. But we need to be honest and clear and we, be, we have to be able to name the debt and the damage that was done to us in that relationship. If we want healing, then we have to specifically name what it is that was taken from us. You'd say, they, they took my reputation from me. That's what they did. When they said those things and spread those lies, they, 
they took my reputation from me. When my dad left our family, he robbed me of my ability to have a normal childhood. When my ex filed for divorce, they took away from me the ability to finish what I started. They took away from me time with my kids. When I got passed over on that promotion or somebody cut in, they, what they took from me was income. They, they, they took from me ability to, to provide for my family. So this step says, I'm gonna be really specific and I'm going to name the debt so that, the fourth step, that I can forgive that debt before God. So after I've named the debt, I, I go to God and I forgive the debt for my benefit, not theirs, for my benefit. I think part of what we need to understand is forgiveness isn't a feeling. I, I'm not sitting around waiting until I feel like forgiving someone. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision on our part. A lot of times when I'm talking to people and trying to coach them or cancel, cancel them through what forgiveness looks like, I, I will have them take out a piece of paper and to literally write down the things, the harms, the, the debts that were, um, that were done to them and then to take a big Sharpie and write the word canceled across it. Forgiveness is choosing to cancel a legitimate debt. We are saying it's a legitimate debt. We are canceling a legitimate debt and truthfully saying, here's what you took from me. Here's what they took from me. But they don't owe me any longer. I, I am letting go. I'm canceling the debt. I am letting go of my right to get even and I'm handing justice over to God. The, the only judge who can see the entire story and who loves both me and my offender. Uh, this is not easy. I, I'm not pretending that this is easy. It, it takes a huge amount of faith because after all, it's, it's my life that's at stake here. It's my pain. It, it's my integrity. It's my reputation. But I'm gonna hand over control to God and I'm gonna trust his character, his love, his wisdom to do what's right as he sees it. Now, here's the thing. Once you've done this step of forgiveness, just because you forgive doesn't mean the feelings and the memories go away. But here's what you can do. As those feelings of resentment creep back in, you can go back to that moment where you canceled the debt and you said, God is a judge and not me. And you keep going back to that event, that time where you said, no, no, no I know what I feel right now, but I canceled the debt. They don't owe me any longer. And I'm trusting that God is the perfect judge and that he will handle this in a just way. And over time, you'll find that the resentment and the anger, it gets replaced by love, by compassion, by wanting God's best in their lives. I want you to notice that these first four steps have nothing to do with the other person. They don't have to be sorry. They don't have to ask for forgiveness. They don't have to do anything. These are all done in prayer between me and God to heal my heart for my benefit, to, to set me free from bitterness and anger and resentment. See, the thing is that God must heal my heart before I can heal the relationship. And that's the last step, is that we seek reconciliation if appropriate. And I add that, that qualifier at the end because not all relationships can or should be reconciled. Um, if it was an abusive relationship, if it was a, a highly manipulative relationship, 
it may not be wise or healthy to, to restore that. But if that's not the case, then this last step seeks to, to heal the relationship. And this step actually does depend on the other person. Reconciliation requires both forgiveness and repentance. And, and I can't control their actions. R- repentance, just to kind of um, define that, it, it's more than just remorse. It's more than just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance means turning away from. It means changing the direction uh, of someone's life. It's changing hurtful behavior. Both are required uh, for, the, for the relationship to be healed and for there to be reconciliation. See, I, I can forgive the other person, but if they've never repented, then the relationship is not healed. You, you can't have a healthy relationship with someone who refuses to change hurtful behavior. So with a heart that's been healed by God's grace, as I've walked through those first four steps between me and God and, and I've received the healing in my own life and I can go to the other person and I can ask for forgiveness for anything that I have done that would have harmed them. And then I wait. I wait to see what their response is. I, I can't control their behavior to know whether or not they're going to repent or not. But even if there's not restoration in the moment, even if there's not reconciliation in that moment, then you know and you can rest that you've done your part. And we, we wait and we trust that God has the power, God has the ability to heal any heart and to heal any relationship. And while we wait, we remember that, that we have already canceled the debt, that, that we have already forgiven them, which means that, that we're not gonna talk badly about them which means that we're not going to slander them, which means that we're not going to try to win other people over to our side of the, of the argument. We're not going to hold on to the resentment. We're going to do our part to love them and to leave the door open for reconciliation in the future. Your healing and your freedom from bitterness and anger and resentment, it really does come down to hinging on where your focus is. You have to switch from saying, how much forgiveness do they deserve to saying, no, how much freedom do I desire? Some of you are here this morning and you're hurt and you're angry and you have refused to forgive some people in your life. You've learned somehow to kind of walk through life with, with, with a grudge or resentment or bitterness just, just below the surface because in your mind you're saying they don't deserve it. They've not even asked for forgiveness. They don't deserve it. And so you're just kind of walking through life carrying this, this grudge along with you. But that unresolved hurt is like cancer for your soul and it is eating you up. And your heavenly father says, I, I know you've been hurt. I, I see the damage that it's done to you. I'm sorry you're going through this. But that bitterness and that hate, it has eaten your lunch, and you have to get rid of that. You don't have to be controlled by it any longer. You can actually be set free from it. Your freedom is on the other side of learning what it means to forgive for your sake. And I know it's hard. And I know it's going to take time. But if you want to experience life and life to the full, if you want to experience freedom from that anger that's been holding you back, then you have to take these steps of forgiving the people in your life.
Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Um, thank you that you are a gracious, merciful, compassionate God. A God that has extended grace upon grace in our lives. And God, the way that you have set up life is that we need to be able to extend that. We must extend some of that grace to others. God, I know in a room this size that, that there are people that have fresh hurt right now, deep hurt that's been hanging around maybe for years for some. And if we're honest, it's, it's held us back from experiencing real life with you. So God, I, I just I pray for the work of the Spirit that you would open up eyes to be able to, to see the, the hurt and the impact that it's had on lives and then God give us the courage to be able to come before you to, to receive a fresh dose of your grace so that we can apply that to some hurt in our hearts and then to maybe take even a bolder step of reconciling a, a broken relationship. God, we know that you are glorified in all of this. Give us your grace. Give us the courage. Give us the strength to walk towards forgiving those that have hurt us. It's only by your spirit that we're able to do that. Thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I know that this is a hard subject, a hard topic, so if there is anyone that needs some prayer as you're trying to figure out what that might look like in your life, I'll be right up front after the, after the service. Thanks for coming out, everybody. We'll see you back here next week.